My name is Filippo, an entrepreneur and student. And I'm Mark, also a young entrepreneur. And you're listening to Broaden Your Horizons, the weekly podcast where we discuss books, entrepreneurship, productivity, personal development, and the human mind. Hi, and welcome back to Broaden Your Horizons. Filippo, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm pretty well, actually. It's been what now eight weeks in quarantine without leaving the house pretty much except to like go outside and run so yeah i yeah. think i held out pretty well but how are you yeah i'm actually a little better now um not i'm actually feeling really great because um i'm less scared and less nervous about the whole coronavirus thing just because of how costa rica has been able to manage this pandemic and we've got other things to sort of distract us from the virus um like business school just TV shows in general. Talking about TV shows, did you watch the The Last Dance? Oh yes, sir. Uh, to, uh, actually, when whenever a new episode comes out, I the first thing I do in the morning when I'm eating breakfast before uh, virtual school on Microsoft Teams, what I yeah. do is I pull out Netflix and I just watch it for like an hour before school. So yeah, that that show is amazing. By the way, it's it's it gives so you, great. Yeah, it gives you such an interesting like perspective into the the Jordan dynasty of the Chicago Bulls and the internal dramas that were in it. So yeah, it's a pretty interesting perspective. Yeah. And I just loved how, how like Michael Jordan actually was, had always this amazing positive attitude. So when he got drafted to the Bulls, the Bulls were terrible. Right. And yeah. they, I, I think they'd never won a, an NBA title, I think was. I believe story. so. Yeah. And, and he was like, I'm going to take this team and I'm going to make them amazing. And he yeah. did, and he won like five or six consecutive titles, right? Yeah, but yeah, and what's was, amazing? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, it was just amazing, and to see the just yeah, like you said, to see the whole perspective, and not only to see Michael Jordan's perspective, but um, Scottie Pippen's perspective and his issues, and then all of the other players, Dennis Rodman, and all of these different players um, that just made this team amazing. Yeah, and. You know what's interesting? The when in the 1997-98 season when the when the Bulls uh were followed by a camera crew, that's just so amazing because you get to actually see what was going on and not like a recreation of it. Yeah, exactly. That, incredible. It, it's a completely different like it's not people that are old telling it now, but it's actually you can see the footage and you can see you can see everything like how it happened. Um and yeah. something that I also really liked was well first of all props to Netflix for doing it right now that's what i love about different companies um Netflix it released like i think it released um all of these different like rom-coms um but it released this huge tv show as soon as we had to start um the quarantine like for example it released this tv show called Tiger King which was pretty good i wouldn't really recommend watching it it was interesting but it was nothing that really was like super appealing but I definitely recommend um, The Last Dance. It was just an amazing show. Yeah, and what's incredible, like, going on, on the topic of this, like, entire podcast, the Brian Your Horizons podcast, um, is Netflix's entrepreneurial mindset, you could say. Because yeah. they've foolproofed their business to a point where, even in a pandemic, they can survive, and not only survive, but thrive and actually uh, outlast the competition. And the way they were able to visualize that in the future uh, in contrast to companies like Blockbuster, which is now essentially irrelevant in the film industry, has yeah. like what one store now. And yeah. before they were uh, 
the this gigantic company and and now they they've been booted out by Netflix because Netflix has a much more futuristic and foolproof approach yeah. to business which allows them in the future to stay in business and not only do that but thrive in the process. Yeah, what really what really differentiated Netflix from Blockbuster is that um they were able to adapt. That was the thing because a lot of people don't know this but actually Netflix used to a CD was it, Yeah, exactly. Used to be yeah. like used to sh- uh, ship CDs and it was pretty interesting because like you hear of Netflix and like oh it's the app, right? Um it's the software, it's like the streaming service. You don't think of Netflix a long time ago shipping out CDs. Um but what was really interesting and you see this with a lot of companies is that when there's change you can either adapt and pivot like Alejandro said uh, last episode um to the change and yeah just basically embrace the change or you can not embrace the change correctly or just ignore the change and have a fixed mindset and you'll go bankrupt and your business will fail and that's what happened to Blockbuster they were not yeah, able to and, adapt yeah and actually like about 3 years after Netflix was find was founded i think this was correct me if i'm wrong the year 2000 that yeah Uh, Netflix actually uh offered Blockbuster a deal where they where they said uh we will integrate yourself ourselves directly into your company and we will become blockbuster.com online your online thing and we will manage this and then Blockbuster said no screw you guys we're going to do it ourselves and we're going to keep on going with our business model and we know how that turned out and so after that it was essentially a a war between Netflix and Blockbuster and At one point the CEO of Netflix said uh Blockbuster has, has thrown everything but the kitchen sink at us. And yeah. you know what the CEO of Blockbuster of Blockbuster did? What did he respond? He delivered a kitchen sink to the Netflix HQ. Oh, that, that's just amazing. I love when that happens. Like I love when you're <laughs> yeah. like reading like a memoir or just re- listening to a podcast and you hear these like savage moves by the companies yeah. but they're like really polite because they have to be because it's not legal or it's I I guess it would create bad rep to do something like that. Um but it's just I just love those moments. Um by the way, um I actually learned a lot about um Netflix's war basically against um Blockbuster and this podcast called Business Wars that Filippo you okay. actually recommended it to me and it's like the first it was the first like season and i loved it and they actually interviewed an expert and it was just amazing um yeah. so if you want to listen to that go ahead it's on i think everywhere that we are yeah and also uh on business wars another like sort of segment is starbucks versus dunkin dunkin donuts yeah and yeah. it's that that's one that i would particularly recommend because it goes into so much detail with the dialogue and everything and it makes you feel like part of the story Yeah. and it's also really eye opening to see the mistakes not only the mistakes but the successes and the right moves that allowed these companies to become the conglomerates that they are today yeah and the thing is that what's really fun about all of these is that um it sort of spoils like the thing is basically the whole story but just living in this present time spoils everything because you know who won or who lost or who was able to succeed or who didn't But what I love about this one is that they actually give dialogue. So they so yeah. it's not just like a narrator saying this is what happened, this is a story in 1988, yada yada yada. Um what is really interesting is that they actually get different people to play different parts. Um so I don't know if you um remember probably not but there was these like radio TV shows but before there were like actual TV shows or maybe during yeah. which were like for example spaghetti westerns and it was basically like like a TV show but in a podcast 
slash radio formats. And I think they were able to like go sort of retro um, with that. So basically take a old idea, but turn it into an innovative, um, an innovative operation that ended up being a really good product. So props to BusinessWise for being able to do that. Yeah. And also what's interesting about that also is that we, they hadn't, the people back then hadn't been blessed with like technology such as Spotify and Apple podcasts. That's just sitting around in our pockets. And so that's, that's just amazing how these entrepreneurs essentially have, have developed these technologies that have made our lives so much easier, which is uh, the purpose of entrepreneurship is, is solving problem problems. So, yeah. Yeah. And just like, I just connected the dots on something and it's that um, what, really differentiates a lot of people and what really makes think people successful is um well i read about this in steve jobs and just creativity inc and well i'm pretty sure you heard a lot about it in in shoe dog was that it's the ability to be able to change and to make that change um so steve jobs said um he said um if you want something to change like change it go ahead um, if you want something to change in the future, be that change. Or I don't know if it was Gandhi. I don't know. I get those two really confused. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so um, it's really interesting because, like, if people didn't, like, strive to do something different and think different and change, a lot of things, we, we wouldn't just, we, we wouldn't have those things. So, for example, if if Steve Jobs didn't say, what if we had a phone that at the same time could browse the internet and you could also listen to music at the same time or let's make that phone bigger and create an iPad and um, let's not use a stylus or let's make a stylus that's so innovative that um, th there's nothing that compares to it. So it's that change that really changes people and makes people successful. Yeah. It's that ability to create exclusivity and innovation that allows companies to break through and others that uh, subsequently lead to their demise. All businesses start as a startup, um, of course. Um, and I thought that something really interesting to talk about, especially in today's episode and during this times of change, um, is startups and how to start one. Um, so we've, uh, I've personally been watching uh, videos uh, from a Costa Rican YouTuber called Kaja. Um, Jose Kajas was his real name, but uh, he goes by Kaja on YouTube. And he like gives these amazing videos and... Um, basically talks about seed funding and just starting businesses in, in a pandemic, basically. And they're yeah. really interesting. And it's also just really easy to connect with them. So, you know, it, one of his series yeah. uh, on the slide being YouTube channel that I really love, it's Which one? the startup forensics one where, he, Ooh, where yeah. he goes into detail with every company that has failed. For example, uh, Yik Yak, which is a social media thing that you post in anonymous messages within a mile of each other. And, and then there's the North Face, how they were able to recover uh, all of these different companies. And so, well, actually, let me share a quick little anecdote uh, while we're on this topic. Uh, the day before, um, our social studies teacher assigned us to watch a video on, that Kaja had made about comparing New York and Costa Rica. I was sitting on my bed uh, watching on uh, YouTube on my Apple TV, and one of his slide bean videos comes up. And so the next day, I noticed him uh on the on the, on yeah, the social on the video. studies thing yeah and so now i've been just binging his videos because they're so interesting and full of knowledge and also the ones where he goes into detail not only startups for startup forensics but the ones where he goes into detail about seed funding which he's been 
he's been pretty successful at and uh, all these different aspects of funding a startup is just really interesting. Yeah, and that goes perfectly with our um, Emprende and just uh, broaden your horizons methodology, which is um, give out that knowledge and uh, see what people make from it. I yeah. personally know that I've been inspired personally from him and from what he's done. And it's made me visualize myself in a better position and just it given me or helped me light that spark that is just like the drive for an amazing work ethic or for just ideation in general. So yeah, he's yeah still, it's just, he's just yeah. great. For me personally, he's helped build the, the excitement around a tech startup. I, I already had like, like the sort of vision for a tech startup and everything, but the excitement that I now have about uh, actually creating one in the future is just greater because, uh, because of him and his videos and I'm inspired by his story. So, yeah. 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 Um, so as I said, I wanted to talk about startups and everything that like, so basically like just starting startups from scratch. Um, so we all know that the first, the first, um, the first, when it comes to a startup, the first thing that you have to have clear and the first thing that you have to really do is have an idea. So I also had another idea, which was um, to use Emprende as basically like a template and just uh, to, tell, to be able to tell the story to people so people can understand it better. Yeah, I think that's, that's a perfect idea. Let's get, let's get to it. Um, so when, when Filippo and I started Emprende, um, we, we, it wasn't called Emprende. Names are like the most irrelevant thing. Um, yeah. what, what really mattered was that we had an idea. We had a passion for entrepreneurship. Uh, yeah. we had done entrepreneurship projects and, and businesses in general in the past. We had never been successful. Um, but we, but we drop decided, shipping in December. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we, we tried to do something different, something innovative, something that would take Costa Rica and entrepreneurship, the entrepreneurship community in Costa Rica by storm. And that idea was to, was to sort of um, bring entrepreneurship, entrepreneurs in Costa Rica, the tools and knowledge that they need to grow in the 21st century. Filippo, you love to say the 21st century yes, after everything. That's, you my, that's become my personal tagline. Tag and it's that it sounds so nice. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, it just like goes with literally everything. Yeah. Um, and well, can I expand a little bit about yeah, upon definitely. that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so essentially, like Mark said, the goal of Emprendes to provide entrepreneurs the tools and knowledge they need to grow in the 21st century. And, but not only at, uh, in their business, because, you know, everyone wants to scale their business, but as people, you know, as leaders. Yeah. Because if you cannot be a, a great leader, you will never be, become the head of a successful startup, uh, much less become a happy, successful person, which is, uh, in the long run, the goal, become uh, self-actualized. Yeah. And of course, um, it's really important to do a business, but if like, there's this whole personal, like, if you can't perfect yourself, not even perfect, I hate the word perfect. I don't know why I used it. If you can't um, make yourself better and see that you have flaws and try to improve those flaws, how are you going to start a business that is going to have hundreds of thousands of flaws in its lifetime, right? So you really have to understand that it really goes hand in hand, your personal life and your business life. Um, yeah. And it's really important to understand that um, you, you have to, as an entrepreneur, not only focus on your business, but also how you are doing personally, because that is 
half of the story that people don't see when they hear Apple, when they hear Tesla, when they hear all of these huge corporations. Yeah, and one of the yeah, exactly. You, you hit it right on the head there with that statement. And going with that, uh, one of the huge things that that comes with being an entrepreneur and a successful leader is having balance. Being able to balance your personal life, your work life, your entire atmosphere is key in order to develop that innate ability to solve others' problems. Because if you can't solve your own problems, how are you going to help someone else solve theirs? Yeah. So that's essentially like the goal with entrepreneurship and finding balance is key to achieving that. Um, then what I would say, I don't know about you. Um, I'm just trying to tell it right now as I, as I am, because I sort of have this, I have this idea of starting a startup in my head. So if you want, if you disagree with something, just go ahead and cut me off. Um, yeah. So the second step for me personally, um, is to find somebody that can do it with you because of course, well, yeah, when you're of entrepreneurship, definitely. um, and some, some communities that really lack in this, in this area. And that's that, um, especially some Costa Ricans, I'm going to be, I'm going to be real. Um, and that's that you really have to be open because you're trying to make this thing a reality. And the last thing you should care about is money. Um, the last thing you should care about is what you're going to be getting from this business. You should be caring about making this business a reality yeah. and really seeing like wanting to visualize that, wanting to, to make the business into something real because that's what really should drive you. So, yeah, because, um, sorry, yeah, go ahead. worrying about money will get you nowhere and worrying about, uh, you could say clout and fame will get yeah. you absolutely nowhere. Yeah, definitely. And if that's the only thing that you're caring about, you're not doing it for the right reason. Yeah. Um, then what I wanted to say was that, um, you really have to find some, like the, your partner in crime. So basically someone that will be there in the good and the bad. And maybe it's not just one person. Maybe it's two, maybe it's three. Um, uh, the, the key, the rule of thumb here is really just find somebody that can start your business with you and that has the information and knowledge to start that with you. So for, yeah. Prende, um, and sorry, something else, usually with uh, most tech startups and, uh, yeah, tech startups in general, if you are planning to start a tech startup, there is th the three H's, the three co-founders is the, the, the person that has the amazing yeah hustle the hustler yeah the hustler yeah sorry. that's the yeah that could be the the ceo i think exactly. kaya mentioned this in one of the yeah one of his videos right and He's, then the tech, the tech exactly. guy the hustle guy and then there's one more i forgot and the, the there's the hustler there's the hacker and there's yeah. the hippie i think it was or there it is yeah like and the hipster is usually someone that is really goes with the flow um can understand um marketing in general and kind of yeah, mediator to, yeah exactly that, someone because that the hacker is usually introverted and the ceo probably extroverted so yeah exactly like both exactly like hot cold and like the mellow Medium. lukewarm yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah um anyways and, yeah, yeah go ahead. I, and then do you want to expand upon that or do you want to keep going with the next uh, step because yeah we, you can go with the next step it's fine yeah uh in my opinion correct me if i'm wrong the next step would be uh, doing not only market research, but validating your idea and Definitely. your product. That's what, what I was would about to say. Especially with a tech startup, uh, making one of this notion of an MVP, a minimum viable product. You know, one of the, a clear example is just, uh, you know, setting up a quick landing page uh, on Wix or something and making it look like, for example, if you have a web app, making it look like it's an actual app that you can register to and log in and use it. 
but then when they actually when the users actually go to log in and register uh there's like a little message that that says hey you caught us before you're ready or something like that yeah uh with a nice typography and everything and, <laughs> yeah and then it, it makes them uh sign up to an email list where they can be notified of the of the beta launch that and the actual product launch later on yeah and one of the main examples of this is buffer what buffer did was they set up a, a landing page as well where they, the it was three pages the, the home screen uh had all the features of buffer and why it would make uh, a great uh twitter marketing tool right and then when users clicked on one of the plans uh actually when they click uh view plans and pricing yeah it takes them to the actual plans and pricing that right and then yeah. when they click on actually one of those to to go on and supposedly pay um it would take them to the landing page where it says hello uh, you caught us before already please enter your email to be notified of any launch so it's a yeah. really effective strategy and you just send it to a lot of people and hope it catches traction there you can have validation not only with investors but have peace of mind in yourself and knowing that your concept is validated and that you're not wasting your time, especially yeah. with an app. And a, a great book that really goes in depth about this. And I would recommend it to any entrepreneur or just any businessman or person that is interested in the startup uh, methodology is the lean startup, but by, I think it's Eric Ryle, something like that. Eric um, Reese, I think. Reese, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's an amazing book and it really goes really into depth about this topic and he talks about um, just really making sure that uh, there is actual demand for whatever you're doing. So is it a, if it's an app, just if there's people that want to use the app, if, if it's a product, there's people that want to buy that product. So usually you are, if, you, if you're in the perfect timing, that's great. That's your unfair advantage. Um, if you're too late and your competitors are way ahead of you and you really have nothing new to offer, then you're, you're not going to be wasting all of that time that would have taken you to actually make a product and you know straight away. And if you're too early, well, that can either be really good or really bad because if you're too early, that means that you're going to have to wait until it's the perfect timing if that ever comes. And, yeah. Or you can just take all of that time and really invest it and because you know that it's too early um, or somebody told some, like an expert like a, um, like a, like an investor has told you, okay, you're too early. Wait a few years and come back. Um, so that that's usually the time frame. The the thing is that when you're really starting something that's gonna require money and a lot of resources, either that's a tech start, just any tech, um, any startup in general, it's really important to get to market really quickly because you don't yeah. know what fail people fast want. and quickly how, how fail fast fail and fail fast often. And, yeah, exactly. Um, and that really that really means that if there is no um, there's no market for your product, your service, or whatever you're doing. That's it's great that you actually realize that before you sank tens of thousands of dollars, either of other people's money or just your money, um, into the company. So just take that as the glass half full and saying, okay, I'm not going to waste my time with this idea. What else can I do? So yeah, that I think is the third step. Yeah, I think in the last podcast episode with Alejandro, I think I mentioned this, but I'm going to keep referencing referencing it because it's just so eye-opening uh there's a ted talk that talks about uh the the main reason why startups succeed and yeah. and fail uh subsequently and so the this guy did a study with over 200 startups and what he found is that it's not the branding it's not the business model it's not the team it's not the product it's not anything it's the timing 
that of the actual uh, startup and the business that allows it to succeed or fail depending on the circumstance. And yeah. so getting to market quickly, like you said, is really important. And it also a bit of luck plays into it because whenever you have that idea, it may be a good time or a bad time to launch it. So just a matter yeah. of finding out what's best for the times and what's best for you as a person, what you're passionate about, like we talked about in the first podcast yeah. episode, Mr. Langdon. Yeah. And also you really have to use your common sense too, because like, um, for example, if somebody's st- starting, I don't know, like a, an Uber service or like something like that, like, yeah. like something that's close to being like basically like a taxi company or whatever, and you're in the middle of a pandemic, that's obviously not going to work. Or um, a tu- tourism company. Like yeah, a exactly. Tourism or just like a hotel. I'm going to start a hotel business in the middle of a, in the middle of a pandemic where, where all of the borders are closed. Um, and everybody who's already living in the country already has a house. Like, I mean, it's, it, I don't want to call people stupid, but it's just a bad idea. And it's like, you have to really use your common sense. What's going on right now that can alter or change the way that people are going to re- perceive what I'm trying to offer them. Yeah. And I think the next step, the fourth, I think we're on the fourth one, right? Yeah. yeah we're on the fourth. Yeah. I think it would be, uh, formulate a business plan. Uh, yeah. What do you think? Do you, do you think that's adequate? So I think that it's probably a little later on, but the thing is that with t- startups, there's, there is no, and it, if you find it, it'll probably, yeah, and that, it, it never it, stops the business plan. Yeah, You'll exactly. Not even just a business plan, but just like, there's not like a step one, step two, step three, step four. Um, yeah. With any business, because it really depends on each business. It depends on, on what you have to do. And that's why the people that manage businesses are really smart and have a lot of expertise um, like the big businesses, of course, because um, each business is different. You won't find an exact blueprint for each business. Yeah. Um, so it perfectly can be um, creating a business model, but I know successful businesses that didn't go, like they already had, they were already pretty profitable and they didn't really have a business model. But of course, yeah. business models are an amazing tool and every business needs one eventually if they want to be successful. So we'll say that it's step number four. Sure, go ahead. Yeah, and again, let, let me reinstate that because this is a huge thing, is that um, the biggest thing with a business model is that it never stops, especially with a tech startup. You always have to keep evolving with your marketing, how it keeps changing. Maybe this new app launch that's a potential threat. Uh, maybe yeah. uh, an, ex- an existing player uh, dropped out because they, they went bankrupt. Yeah, all these different things, and you have to also the the consumer base uh, changes because 20 years ago, nobody had mobile phones in their pockets and now everyone has one. And so, yeah, it's really about adapting. Like you said before, we, like we were talking about Netflix that they adapted, they changed their business model essentially from a CD distributor to an online uh, on demand video player. So that's a perfect example. Uh, And Blockbuster failed to do so. And we know where they're at now. Yeah. Bankrupt. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Anyways, so, and this really goes, the business model really goes really well and plays well and goes really hand in hand when it comes to, when it comes to market research, um, because, well, it's, it's probably one of the most important parts, market research. And I said that it's critical to any company, um, and to be able to make your business model, you can't just make it with the information that you have. You really have to investigate Mm -hmm. not only on the internet, but just what people see when it, when they hear um what other what's your competitors how what what do people like about them exactly like that just having that research and that research will really propel your business model 
and business plan into something amazing and something that can be really good. Um, and for example, like the, the companies that really perfected their business model, I would say are Uber, Airbnb that really hit it on the head when it comes to the well, business Well, except now, because now they're struggling. But, but, yeah, but I mean, like, it's cool. a pandemic. Like, yeah, it's the thing is that bad. they already have billions yeah. of dollars to fall back on. But what I'm trying to say is that with Airbnb and when they, yeah, left, of course, which was in 2012, 20, 2011, 2012, 2013, I think it was the time frame. I, I don't know. I, that's what I'm guessing. Um, it yeah, I think it was 2009 perfect, or 2009. Exactly. Around that time. Um, it was the perfect time to launch that business because there was um, travel was becoming a luxury and people wanted cheaper um, options, but at the same time, things that were safe. So yeah, that's they where, yeah, they revolutionized the travel industry. Exactly. Um, and then Uber did the same thing because the, the only thing that there really was, was either you got a car, uh, you bike, you like sort of like commute um, by walking, going on the bus, public service, you went on a taxi or you just, you just had to get a car, right? Um, yeah. But then they said, okay, we're going to change this because we know that taxis are pretty old fashioned and people really don't like that experience. So we're going to make uh, going on and actually going on a rented car or whatever, like getting a, a personal tax, a personal driver, really cheap, really, affor- really affordable and just really luxurious and really nice. Um, compared to like a taxi, for example. Yeah, and, and also safe because getting into a stranger's car, you wouldn't feel safe unless they were through the app, right? Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and also Airbnb, they either there was no way unless you knew someone in the city that you were visiting or the place you're that you were visiting the, another country. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To stay like in a in an apartment and live like a local, essentially, that's their main like tagline. Exactly. If you go to a hotel. It's You're probably going to be exactly. It's probably going to be a Marriott International or any other of these big chains, which is probably similar to what you have in your country. And so you never really live like a local. And also, people want to uh, experience not not uh, yeah exactly experience like a cheaper alternative, but that's also safe and that you're not contacting someone through like Facebook or something. It's an actual listing, and you can see it on Airbnb, and they yeah, and it's everything. verified by them, and yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, that's the, those two companies are great examples when it comes to actual, actual, um, business models and Uber is not doing that bad because they have their whole Uber eats section. So yesterday I ordered Chinese food. I, I just wanted to spoil myself. And, um, of course I didn't really talk to the guy. He was wearing a mask. I was wearing mask and gloves staying like three, four feet apart. And what I actually did is of course I have this whole system to keep safe and to make sure that I don't get infected. But at the same time, I just had like this really quick casual conversation and I was like, so like, um, how's work or whatever. And he was like, I'm actually pretty happy because I'm getting a ton of orders. And that's because yeah. people, uh, well, it was a Saturday, right? Um, and at the same time, um, it, it was just, it, it was just um, like, for example, like people just want to eat food because they can't go out, right? So the whole delivering food industry is really booming just like any other just like netflix and just like other industries because people want that food and they want it hot and uber eats has been able to deliver on that yeah and no pun intended (laughs) (laughs) and also uh you know like with this whole pandemic and with future problems in the um the big thing is who will break out you know whether it's an existing company that has been approved for the future, like Uber Eats or Netflix, uh, or a, an upcoming company that decides to do something innovative that 
uh, profits from this pandemic and not only profits, but helps people in the process. Like Uber Eats helps help people uh, get fed and have a quick alternative instead of going to the restaurant and risking getting infected. And Netflix helps, helps people relax perhaps after a long day of work and just suits their entertainment needs. And so it's this whole notion of the entrepreneurial mindset and finding a way to solve people's problems in an effective way that shapes the times and that's proof for the future. Yeah. Um, so let, let's go ahead and say the fifth step. We're on the fifth step, right? I believe so. Okay. Well, let's just say that the next step is, I would say, um, getting investors and getting some seed money because um, a lot of people say, and this is pretty true, uh, Kaja says this a lot on his uh, YouTube channel, and that's that startups are basically, they're basically a race against going broke. And it's pretty true because as soon as you run money, you, you, your resources are really limited on, to what you have right now um, and what you can't pay for, of course. Um, yeah. well, what we were paying for before. So I think that that's the fifth step. I don't know Definitely. what you think. Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. And also, it's important to remember that, yes, you can look, at, look for seed money at first. But what you, like you said before, you should look to scale your MVP and actually have validation and say, um, 10,000 people have signed up to, my, to our email list. And when you pitch that to investors, it makes you much more credible and makes it more likely that you get an investment for seed money. Yeah. And that's why the MVP is the first step. Exactly. You should never go, you should never skip a step because, um, because that can be pretty, pretty bad. Um, anyways. So what, what investors are really looking for is of course they're called investors because they want to invest in something that can give them back money. That's why they are investors. So you have to find a way to really appeal to them and make them see your vision. So, um, Something that you should never do is, for example, uh, just like some beginner mistakes that I got from, from Kaja's uh, SlideBean YouTube channel. The first one is to never say, um, as, soon as, I get my as soon as I get your money, I'm going to be able to pay for a CTO. So I can't really develop my app right now. But yeah. as soon as I get money, um, I'll be able to pay for a CTO. Um, so if you don't have a plan ready, and if you just offer like some quickie, bad response alternative, that will be an immediate red flag for any investor. Yeah, obviously that having, uh, especially that's, that's why having a co-founder that can code or just someone on your team that has technology, a tech startup is what you're doing is important. And another alternative is that you build a team of developers that you agree with them to say, uh, look, we will give you an adequate salary when we receive money, but you already have them on your team on board. So you don't actually have to say when I get your money, uh, I'll pay for the developers in person to the investor. You can actually have them ready on your team and then pay them accordingly once you have the funds to do so. Yeah. And sometimes you will have to risk a little bit of your stock to be able to do yeah. so because sometimes just saying I'll pay you this amount of money is not going to be enough. Um, what you really have to do is not even just, so really, um, you should never really use um, money as your real selling point or the way that people are going to be interested in your company. You should always make it um, the actual vision and purpose of your company. Um, yeah, the idea. Exactly. Yeah. And well, when it comes to millennials and the people that are really like young and Gen Z, older Gen Zs that are in college right now studying, for example, computer science, which are are going to be the fields that they have to study to be able to code, right? Um, or just people that know a lot of coding in general, what they really want to do is 
change or make an impact in the world. So if you can sell them on that you're going to change the world or that you're going to make an impact in, on a lot of people's lives, um, that's really what's going to sell it to them, not the money. And sometimes, yeah. of course, you're going to have to be able to risk or uh, depend a little bit on giving people some stock. Some stock is not huge numbers. I'm just saying a little bit because the good thing about stock is that, um, of course, there's a limited amount. But at the same time, if you're starting, if you're creating a startup, if you have no developers, you're not going to be able to go anywhere, right? So unless you have like some like co-founder CTO, but if you don't risk a little bit of stock, um, either you won't be able to pay for them or um, the good thing about the stock, which was what I was about to say, was that um, as people work harder, the stock is going to grow, right? Um, either by investors putting more money into the company, seeing that it's where they're actually reaching something or if it goes, if there's an IPO, which is like in the future, of course, it can rise according to how many people actually get your product or your service. So yeah. uh, sometimes risking some stock, um, a little bit of stock is good because it actually gives uh, the people, uh, your, your teammates and the people you're building, whatever you are with, um, it gives them that incentive to work hard and to really dedicate a lot of their time, most of their time to your business. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, should we move on to the next step? What are we on? The sixth step now? We are on the sixth step. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, the seventh step, I think it is, right? Yeah. Six. I think sixth step. Yeah. Yeah. Which, whichever. Yeah. yeah um, the next step. It, yeah, exactly. The next step uh, would be actually launching your beta trial. And after you validated your MVP, launching your beta trial, which is essentially the bare bones of your application in this case or whatever it is um, that it applies to. And when you launch this, you, you can actually get a feel and sense, okay, what do I have to change with customer feedback and seeing and perfecting it to the point where you can actually in the future launch an actual product that, that will be your 1.0 version to say it like that. Yeah, um, of course, when it comes to beta, it's really good because you actually start developing your app. You get the whole sense. And if just like the, the, to be able to see your, your company start growing and to see something that your company's actually made is really cool as, as a fun, as a founder. Um, of course, um, investors will be thrilled that you're actually starting to do something. So it's really a win-win for anybody and you have to be able to do it right. Because that's your whole vision. Um, something that's really important is to be able to, of course, get all of those people contacts from the MVP and send them an email saying like, uh, our beta's just launched to go ahead and uh, exactly. we, we wanted to invite you uh, to see the beta and um, something really important that we, you should always, and it's really crucial, as I said um, before, is that you should always say like, if there is any bugs, any things that you would like to change, uh, have no doubt when it comes to contacting us. And that's where an R and D manager or somebody that can actually manage um, research and development and can actually answer those questions or just give us all of that very raw information um, is really, really um, useful because you get all of that feedback from all of those people that are feeling invited to give that feedback and reporting bugs. And you have to have some, someone sort of like a filter to see, okay, like uh, sort of organize that information um, into groups or whatever. So people can, um, your developers or the person who's in charge of actually making the app can see that information and be able to perceive it and manage it better. Yeah. And that's the entire point of the, 
having the email list and the MVP because once you send it to people, they can actually, like you said, send you feedback, anything that, it'll, that they don't like that you can change. And so especially building a relationship with your customers and your users, uh, specifically for a tech startup is key because if people don't feel like they're being represented and that the app doesn't suit their needs, there are tons of other apps in the market that they can turn to. And so you need to really differ- differentiate yourself that way. And yeah. especially with your beta trial, you need to find ways to innovate them take in customer feedback, like you said, with an R&D uh, deployment team and have all these different systems in place where you can actually execute on that feedback and track it. Yeah. Um, something that we forgot to mention that I just thought of and something that, um, so basically something that's really useful and that's that if you don't get any funding, there is an alternative option. And usually people do this. It's, it's a step basically between between getting investors and I, I think it's probably in step three and that's making a Kickstarter page because yeah. the Kickstarter page is literally the definition of a win-win. It will get you funding if you're able to make it well, of course. It will get you funding. It will get you, it will prove that people are liking the product. It will get you basically, the, it will basically be like a 2.0, uh, MVP 2.0 because you will also get all of the people that are backing you and their emails to send when you actually launch your pre-beta. And they will also just, as I said, prove your idea and it will be an amazing tool to say, I survived Kickstarter uh, to your investors. Of course, you shouldn't say that exactly how I said it. Just find a way to incorporate that if you do. Um, yeah. That will also and get you some money to get started. So exactly. I feel like yeah, it gets you money and it gives you validation, market validation. Like we talked yeah. about, I think it was second or third step. And that in turn will lead to future investors in series A, B, and C funding and stuff like that. Yeah. And also seed funding if you want some more as well. Yeah. So the next step, and this really goes um, in hand when you're doing your Kickstarter, like this is your next step, but it's really a step that you should be doing from step three all the way to step six, seven, I think we're on. And that, and forever really, is create hype before the launch of your product. But just like make sure that people are like, wow, this is going to be amazing. I really, really want to use this. I can't wait for this to launch or whatever. And make people start talking about your product. Make people start uh, having conversations. Maybe get into some tech blogs. Um, it depends on what your, on your, on what your, on what your um, startup is. But if it is a tech startup, tech blogs would be amazing. Any sort of way to really enhance um, the perception of your, of your uh, business or your name is really good. So for example, when you hear Apple, you can either think of the fruit or the company. It's really easy. You, you can either go into the product or, or the, or the actual fruit. When I think of Amazon, actually the first thing that comes into mind is not the river, um, or the rainforest. Yeah. It's the actual company that was made with that yeah. name. So if you're able to get a good name that will stick, um, something that's really like, it sounds nice. It's something simple, something that people know why it's called that. Um, if you get the people to hear that name and automatically either think of the other thing that it's representing, if it's representing something else or just directly linking it to your business, that is gold. Um, because as soon as you do that, people are like, for example, Emprende. Oh, Emprende. It's in, literally in the name, entrepreneur. So people are either think of the actual word or the company. Yeah, and also getting people to say, wow, I want this product. I'm going to sign up right now to this email list. 
and exactly. they're going to be the first to knock on your door and that will lead to market uh, validation like in the present and then users in the future which which attracts more investors and it's just a cycle yeah and of course there's different methods to doing this as i said um blogs but of course something that you could also do is just um influencers are also really good uh, it depends on on who you're actually talking to because if you don't do it well influencers can either be amazing and can get you a ton of people to sign up to your product or whatever or you can target the wrong niche and you can it can be a complete waste of money right um, yeah so you, you have to really find the ways to appeal to people and just also something that's amazing is to well um when you search your name your company's name on on google it should be the first thing that pops up so for example emprende emprende should be the first thing that pops up um amazon when you search amazon you don't see a picture of the rainforest maybe you will but like out of the 10 photos that will appear two will be one will be like of a piranha in the amazon rainforest (laughs) another one will be like the forestation and the other eight will be either about amazon's ai amazon's drone or just how great amazon is in general um yeah. so if you can make so people can just see oh emprende what is that um i'm gonna search it on google they search it the first thing that will pop, uh, will pop up if it's some other thing we'll probably click on that and if it's like the fifth thing that you have to search or the, the fifth link that comes up it's probably not going to be the best thing yeah having great seo goes part of that uh launch and building hype as well because Whenever someone says, hey, check out, uh, for example, on Emprende, uh, they can, like you said before, search it right away and it'll be right there, which builds uh, user base and customer validation. Yeah, exactly. So um, I think we should move on to the eighth, seventh step, I think we're in. I think it's, yeah, seventh or eighth. Okay. The next step. The next step. Um, I'm pretty sure it's just preparing and launching your applications. Um, yeah, your 1.0 version. Exactly. Before that, um, you can either do it before or after. Um, I would recommend, it really depends on your situation. As I said, no real company has blueprint. Maybe it has a real blueprint. Uh, your beta can take a long time and maybe you'll run out of resources. Then you're going to have to do a Series A funding. So yeah, um, so for some people, for some businesses, um, you're going to need a Series A funding um, like during the beta or a little after the beta, um, maybe before the launch, maybe after the launch. It really depends on on how much money you have, how much money yeah. you got from the seed. Usually, money. it's a year after beta. Like beta can can go anywhere from two months to two years, and so usually, yeah. the, like the median time, t- the average timetable is about a year after you launch beta. If things are going well, you'll usually go out with Series A uh, intentions with investors. Yeah. And the thing is that by then you're going to be all, if you are in a good state, you'll say like, I have a beta. I have a certain amount of people that are already using my beta. Um, I, this company is using my beta and they love it. This company is using my beta and they love it. If you have all of those, um, basically things that prove that your company is going to be this big thing and launch is going to be amazing. Um, investors will be more inclined to give, give, uh, their money or their company's money. Uh, to your company and invest basically. Um, so I think that would be like the step in between or it really depends, as I said, on where your company is. Um, but then when it comes to preparing the beta, um, so I like to think of, of um, 
launching um, as something really cool because, of course, you've been working on it. You've been working on this product, business, or whatever it is, restaurant, whatever you're doing. Um, you, you're, you've been working on this for the last, like, it depends on how, two months to two years, of course. Um, so, so you're going to be really passionate about this and you're going to want it to go perfect. Something yeah, that you ideally, have to right? Cause yeah, of course. Like that should be the, one of the first things that you do and say, am I really passionate about this? But yeah, yeah exactly. anyway, keep going. Um, so one of the first things that you're going to have to notice is that when it's a day, I'm pretty sure that it's not going to go exactly perfect. Like you have to be able to, to see, maybe it will go perfect. Then that's fine. I'm not saying that it won't go perfect, but you have to be ready for an obstacle. Um, and you, you have to be, you have to be prepared and you have, you have to make sure that you're okay with something not going as exactly as you planned it. So, um, when it comes to, to, to the launch, um, I, that first thing that it really matters is just getting the base foundation there. Then, as I said, just keep on, keep the hype train rolling. Um, I hate to use that expression, but it's, it's a pretty good expression, um, and just keep on making sure that people are really inclined to see your product launch and actually install it. Um, the people that are not really using your beta um, and just making sure that the word is out there. Right. So yeah, it's really all about keeping the hype train rolling and making sure that the word is out there. And as soon as you do that, um, just inviting people and make sure that the word, yeah, make sure that people know that it's happening. And as soon as you do that, you can actually go to the next step. The, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I think it's like eight or ninth at this point. And yeah. I think the next step would be um, maintaining, scaling, and developing in, in the sense of that you maintain your, your quality of the product, but at the same time, you're scaling it to fit people's needs. And not only are, are you maintaining it, but improving it constantly every day with user feedback and from investors and the general public, why don't they like it? Why do they like it? What does the competition do? Uh, what do they do better? What does a user think of uh, the, comp the competition? Uh, so it's all these different factors that then eventually will lead to the, to the scaling and developing part, which is uh, finding more rounds of investment at some point, which would be uh, now that after Series A, it would be Series B, C, and D. And then you just keep going and then eventually the goal i would say of most entrepreneurs would be to go public and file an ipo an initial public offering and so that's essentially yeah. like the the main thing with the, and going with profitable step. in general yeah that, exactly especially with big tech yeah. companies the the point where you go profitable is probably like the most <sighs> point right um I, yeah I, I had to use a sound effect for that because i didn't i couldn't think of anything else and that's because your company's been using and depending on other people's money for the past, I don't know, it depends how long your company's been there. For Amazon, it was like 20 years. Um, and when th that moment, when you actually start to make money, um, it's just a huge relief. And you're like, okay, finally, I'm, yeah. able, to, um, I'm, I'm able to actually start making some money. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really just all about um, getting to the point when it comes to scaling, of course. Your business never stops. Um, it will always be evolving. It will always be changing. And that's really important to understand. Um, there's never an exact business model. There's never an exact marketing plan. There's never a perfect app, right? Um, so you really have to understand that it's always changing. You have to be able to adapt to change um, and, and embrace it and really make the most out of it. And just in general, 
um, making sure that your company's on the right track and that never loses its roots, which is its mission or its, its value. Uh, sorry, its purpose. Yeah, exactly. Your calling, why you, your passion, never lose that. And yeah, I think that that's, I think that that's about it because that, yeah, that's last, a wrap. Yeah. I think like that, that um, last, the eighth or ninth step really just keeps on repeating and looping and looping uh, on, like um, just forever just, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Because it's always changing. You always have to modify. Um, so yeah, that's really like the last or final step. Um, yeah, I want to just a quick little thing before yeah, go ahead. these steps, they don't have to be all followed in this exact order. Every company has a different story, but it's just the general um, outline essentially of what it generally looks like. Yeah, you should, this should never be, and we're not intending it to be so. Um, this should never be like a checklist on, on an app or whatever that you're just like, oh, okay, broaden your horizons. They told me to do these nine steps. Um <laughs> Make sure we cross each one. If you cross each one, if you're able to, yeah, just complete all of these, I will become a multimillionaire or like a billionaire. That's not how it works. Um, and we're just giving tips and we're just giving advice on what we think is the best way to approach a startup and just to really see what comes in the future so you never get lost or feel lost. And if you ever do feel lost or need help, um, make sure to contact us. Um, and it, it will always be checking that email um, on the back, on the outro, and we'll we'll be happy to receive any information. So, Filippo, to start wrapping up, um, what books or articles have you been reading that have resonated uh, with yeah. you? Yeah, well, Mark, actually, I well recently about a couple of days ago, actually, I finished Shoe Dog. It took wow. me longer than I yeah, it took me longer than I wanted. I I strive to read about a book a week, yeah. but. It actually took me about three weeks and it's just such an entertaining read that I, it was worth it to read it for three weeks because it's such an, like we've talked about this in previous episodes, yeah. such an entertaining story. He tells it so humbling and it gives you insight that you never thought happened. For example, I didn't know that his son, uh, Matthew, uh, died in a scuba diving incident in El Salvador. I didn't yeah. know that. And it's just all these different emotions and what he was feeling at the time and how he feels now and reflecting on, on his relationship with the, with the butt faces in, in Nike with his, <laughs> his like not co-founders, uh, like his partners in business that, that yeah. he built it around essentially. And so everything, it just, it's just an incredible story. It's, it's perhaps yeah. one of my favorite books of all time. And yeah. I think you recently finished Creativity Inc as well, right? Yeah. I actually finished it yesterday. I spent most to all of the day reading just to make sure that I was done with it. And I loved it so much. So I, I really started reading, reading it because I thought it was going to be another memoir, which I really love, um, just about Pixar. And I, well, I've personally watched, and I think most people have watched Pixar's movie, Pixar movies since they were kids because they're really entertaining and not only for kids, but for adults. I see them now and I've been watching them. And that's why also it took me so long to finish the book. And there's a ton of just adult references and just really fun Parts of the uh, parts of the movies that I really didn't understand or really didn't get um, when I was a child, but now that I see them, they were actually really good movies. And um, while reading the book, I, I realized that it was not at all a memoir. It had different aspects of a memoir, but it was not. It was more of a how to manage um, and how to make a create 
a creative environment, basically. And I know yeah. that sounds really like, oh, the manager should read that or something like that. But it was actually, I would definitely recommend it. It talks about how art um, really changes your perspective. And I, I didn't tell you this. I forgot to tell you, but I'm actually, um, I'm actually taking an art course because I feel like just the other perspective, yeah, that it gives you um, is really interesting. Because, for example, um, it talks about how when they tell just any person to draw a desk, for example, um, they're going to draw a desk, but it's not going it, to, since you already have a bias or a, perspe- a perspective on how that desk should look, you're not just drawing from what you see. You're drawing from what you think it should look like. And you're changing from what you think you should look like, from what you think it, a desk should look like, right? But the interesting thing is what, that when they ask people to actually draw just the outline or the negative space of what they're trying to draw, in this case, a desk, they draw it 10 times better. Like it's, it's really amazing, the results. And it really tells you how important it is when, when people really learn art. And this is really sad because in the U.S., um, some schools are actually cutting the art um, the arts uh, funds. Yeah, art That's- helps a lot. Just quick little in, in expert yeah. before you continue. Art allows you to not only take a break, but like from academic stuff and work, it allows you to develop your creative mind, your creative side of the brain, which in turn will lead you to be more successful in the business world and in the school world and everything. So yeah, it's very yeah. important. And developing that artistic and creative aspect of your life is uh, of the utmost importance. Yeah, and just to finish my thought there. Um, yeah. It's really interesting because then he talks about Ed Catmull, who has been the president of Pixar for forever, I think it was, since its beginning. And went, like since uh, when it got bought by Disney, he was there. He's always been there. And he really gives, he teaches you these things. Um, and something that really resonated with me is that many times, uh, especially when they were editing uh, Pixar movies, um, he had to use that um, art, artistic mindset to see not what, what you could change something with, but um, sort of like just having that different perspective and be, seeing and just ignoring your brain and not, not having that bias is really an incredible tool. And he's been using it for all of his life. And it's made him a really, really um, impressive and just successful businessman in general. For sure. Definitely. So, uh, Filippo, I just wanted to say that I love the talk today. Um, thank you for letting me choose the startup topic. I feel like we went really in-depth into this whole theme, and I feel like a lot of people could learn a lot from what we... Yeah, I, I love this conversation. I think this was one of our, our more in-depth... Epi- like, it was... it was uh, The conversation had a nice flow and ring to it. So, yeah, it was yeah. great talking yeah. to you on, on this on this weekend mark and i'll see you next weekend for the next episode of broaden your horizons make sure to tune in great yeah thank you Philippe. all right bye. thank you bye that's it for this week thank you for listening if you've enjoyed this episode please leave us a review on apple podcast or on the apple podcast website if you've got any thoughts that have resonated with you from this episode or any ideas for future podcast topics We'd love to receive an audio message from you with your question, conundrum, or anything we could discuss in later episodes to the email contact at emprendecr.com. If you prefer not to have your voice played during the podcast, but still have some thoughts to share, you can simply send us a message to that same email. Don't forget to check out our shop, 
blog, event information, and more about what we do by visiting emprendecr.com. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next week.